Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Business Growth Podcast brought to you by ANZ, a new series for Australian businesses with me, Rachel Newman. Just like ANZ, I'm passionate about helping Australian businesses grow, and I love hearing stories about business success. I'm looking forward to spending time with some real Australian entrepreneurs discussing just how to grow a business in a sustainable, long-term way. These podcasts have been inspired by ANZ's work with the Australian Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia, and by the amazing entrepreneurs we'll be chatting with in this series. So, a little about me. I'm an advisor and consultant to a variety of startups, and I mentor with the StartMate Accelerator program. I'm also a director on the board of Startup Oz, where we believe that technology and entrepreneurship changes lives for the better. And so we work to influence policy and make Australia the best place in the world to launch and grow a business. But enough about me. Let's begin. Welcome to today's podcast, where we're talking about the pillar of business success, leadership, or more specifically, the responsibilities of successful business leaders. Today, I'm joined by Ido Leffler, a serial entrepreneur at the helm of a number of businesses and organizations that are category building and category killing. Ido, thanks for joining us today. It's so great to be here. Uh, You know, I love doing these podcasts. Oh, excellent. You know, you're a very busy man. You founded a and grown a number of businesses with products that have become household names, especially in the U.S. So your LinkedIn profile headlines you as a husband, father, entrepreneur, and investor. So how do you describe what you do in your own words? You know, I always start with uh, husband is the first thing that I am, or, and father. I think for me, everything that I do is based around my family and how we can develop products and businesses to enrich their lives and enrich the lives of the people around us. Uh, For me and my business partners, we've always focused on three very simple pillars. It's incredible people, it's brilliant product, and it's an awesome and an impactful cause. And so as we think on a day-to-day basis of what we're going to do and how we spend our time, it's got to be linked to those pillars. And our relative success thus far has been 100% because of those pillars, especially the incredible people. Mm. And so what do you actually find the most rewarding about being a leader in these businesses? For me, I, I, I think being a leader and having the opportunity to take people on a journey with you particularly when it comes to creating consumer brands, which is what we do every day at UB or at Brandless, for example, is to really, you know, my favorite thing is when somebody is brand new in the company, they're like walked in, their eyes are, you know, lit, and they've been excited to join. And they start to see the, you know, the reality of what their day is going to be. And their first day Email, the first time they get their email address and the first time that they, you know, come into a meeting. And my, the, the reason I love that is because it's as though it's your first day of school. Today, for example, was our first day at school for our kids. And for them to walk into that room and to see that path ahead and to help them as a business leader achieve their goals as through their career is something that I truly love. And so you've touched upon uh, your responsibility of helping them to achieve their goals. So tell me a little bit about what kind of you've internalized as your responsibility as a leader, both to the business, your investors, and to your people. First and foremost, I think my biggest responsibility is to myself and to my partner. And my business partners um, are those people that really have collaborated with me over many years to 
not just create businesses, but to create a life together. Our business partnerships are one that are um, more than just your day-to-day transactional relationships. They're true interpersonal relationships. Secondly, my responsibility to my investors is to 100% be open and honest with both the good and the bad. Over the years, for example, at Yes2, when we had um, a major crisis once, we had a major product um, almost voluntary recall that we had to do. And it nearly brought the company to its knees. Um, We literally had to take back $5 million worth of product. And to be able to have an open dialogue when the chips are down really allowed us to build trust, camaraderie, and eventually a, a great outcome. And so... For us, I think the responsibility as, as for any leader, um, and I'm learning this especially now, for example, at Brandless, which is a brand new company that has been a complete rocket ship. So for Brandless, you know, that's that for for us, we we've had to write the playbook from day one. So for us, we've had to really be honest and open with our employees the people that work with us every single day, to let them know that we're going to be making mistakes, that we're going to have to learn on the fly and we're going to have to make decisions as a team. And that responsibility is something that we, you know, we love, but we don't take lightly. I want to talk about Brandless because it's such an exciting business. And especially, you know, in the States, which is the market where it serves right now, it is getting so much amazing press and consumers seem to absolutely love it. And for those of listeners who don't know about it, um, it is an online Uh, grocery store experience where all products are uh, good for the planet uh, and $3. Is that right? Yep. They're good for the planet, good for you, non-GMO, organic, uh, really a a great deal of gluten-free items, vegan items, and everything, and I mean everything is $3, whether it's your coconut oil, your brandless um, body lotion, your olive oil, anything you can imagine, everything is $3. And that for most people is is quite a shock. And so the result of uh, this real paradigm shift in retail, uh, Brandless has grown well beyond, I think, anyone's expectations um, right out of the gate. So from a leadership perspective, how do you manage when something takes off, you know, in an order of magnitude that you didn't even imagine was possible? Firstly, I think you need to take a deep breath. Um, I think the worst thing that can happen to a leader, and I've, I experienced this, I think, when we first started Yes too, is that you think the success is um, due to you, and the ego starts to come into play. I think as we've developed as leaders over the years that we've realized that the success has got nothing to do with us. It's got to do with really the holistic um, business and, and the proposition that you bring to the customer. And for Tina, um, Tina Sharkey, my business partner and the CEO of Brandless, we literally touch base every single day and have to pinch ourselves with what's happened so far. But recognizing that the success and the early success that we've had so far, for example, with Brandless in the first 48 hours, we shipped to nearly every single state in the United States on launch. We, we never could have dreamt that would happen in the first six months, let alone in the first 48 hours. And for us, you know, as we, as we talk about what we need to do, which changes every day, the, the goalposts move a meter forward every single day. We really have to, for us, it was really about how do we bring the right team together to establish um, 
to, to really establish what the rules that we need in order to succeed. And, you know, Brandless is still a baby. It's still in, it's still in nappies. I nearly said diapers. Um, and for us, I think the parents of Brandless are both our, the people inside Brandless, but also the customers who are helping us truly make our decisions. Just before I walked into this room, I had a call talking about six new products that we're going to launch. And for me, it's about getting down to even that level to really making sure that as a leader, my team see that I care about every single product that we launch, whether it is a, you know, a simple product such as a uh, vinegar, for example, all the way through to our peanut butter spread. I've tasted and tried every single one to make sure that that every single brandless customer sees that this product was, you know, treated with love from, from the top down. As a leader, when do you start to transition from being really down in the weeds, tasting every vinegar, every peanut butter, to pulling up and empowering team members to do more of those things? Or do you always want to have some sort of touch point at the grassroots level? That's a fantastic question. I think, look, there's a there's a certain um, disease that I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs get. It's called founderitis. And it's the it's the need to be in everything all the time. Uh, for us, the best way I describe it, when we first started, for example, with Yes2, we were the pilots. We got into that plane when we flew every single day. We dealt with the turbulence. We dealt with everything that needed to, you know, if there was an emergency, we would freak out and we'd figure it out on the fly. The plane was on a nosedive. We'd have to figure out how to get it back up. Over the years, um, and as you get, I, I guess, older and wiser, uh, you tend to become more of an air traffic controller. And that's where I see our role today. Our air traffic, we have lots of planes in the air, whether it's Yubi, Brandless, Cheeky, the roles that we play in, in, in boards, etc. For us now, it's about being making sure that we hire the right pilots to fly every single day, to bring on the right partners to fly every single day, and for us to help them adjust course. Every so often, like with the products, I'll come down and really get excited. Firstly, because I love it, and it's what keeps me linked and, and grounded to the business. But secondly, um, you know, the thing that I love the most is that there, I, I'd say 99 fires that happen in our companies every single day, 99 out of 100, I don't know about. But the one that I do is where I can hopefully be helpful. And is there one area for you, Ido, that you uh, refuse to outsource? So one area that you will always own, or does it change from business to business? I think it changes from business to business in the life cycle of the business. So today at UB, for example, we have such a phenomenal team. You know, so UB is a product that makes bright, colorful stuff for school, home, or office that gives back. For every item we sell, we give another item away. So if you think about that statement, there are so many things that need to happen before that can actually you know, come to fruition. We need to sell product into a retailer. So, in ex- for example, in Australia, we work with Woolworths and other retailers. In the US, we work with Target. And we need to create the product, sell in the product, and then all the way through to give the product, to giving product away. In every one of those stages, at some point at the very beginning of UB, I was involved in every single one. Today, we've got, I've got people 
in roles that are significantly better than I am. But what I won't give away, regardless of the timing of the company, is the brand guardianship. I want to make sure that everything we do as a brand at a macro level, the voice of the brand, the tone of the brand, the overarching theme is within our, that, that is something that I hold true. As somebody who created the brand, I want to make sure that that evolution continues. The other thing that's really important for me is culture. Culture is something that um, I, my team probably say I get a little bit too excited about. One thing we do, for example, at UB is we do an offsite every single year. And it's a top secret offsite that nobody knows where they're going until the day they arrive. Last year, we took the entire company to Hong Kong. The year before, it was to Iceland. The year before, that was to a terrible um, cruise to Mexico. Um, and this year, we're going somewhere remarkably special, somewhere that I've always wished to go. Yet nobody in the company, other than a few select few, and that's even a top-secret off-site committee, know what it's about. And I love, I spend a disproportionate amount of my, of my time thinking about that to create an experience for the team and to receive, to get outcomes from that offsite that's going to be, that's going to carry us through for the next 12 months. Thinking about culture and leadership, and especially as a company grows, not only are you and your co-founders and the executives leaders, but you need to invest in the next layer of leadership underneath you as well. We tend to hear a lot about dynamic and gregarious leaders, and certainly I think you would fall into that category. But there are other styles. There are kind of the strong, silent types. Um, how much potential success do you think depends on a leader's ability to create an inspiring workplace? And how do you uh, pass along your leadership skills to the next layer of leadership in your companies? As you said, there are some leaders that are going to be loud and and you know and and are going to really push their agenda, and there are some that are going to you know, earn the respect as a leader, whether it's through their skills or otherwise. Since I have very few skills, I try to go with the gregarious approach. But for me, it comes, it, it really reflects to, um, the, you want to attract people that are going to be different to you in the company. And you, for your next level of leadership, you don't want to bring me twos for the ride. You want to bring people that are going to compliment you. For example, my business partner, um, has, is not a product developer, he's not a brand developer, he's a finance guy. And he's a fantastic finance guy. So, you know, when I need, we, we, as we think of ourselves as leaders, and I speak to Lance on a daily basis, we make sure that we don't get in each other's way and we allow the people who have other skill sets that we've brought onto the company to grow. And so not everybody needs to be your, your loud, gregarious, the funny guy in the room or the, the woman who you know, has all the answers every time. It's really about allowing the people that you bring on board to shine in the thing that they're really good at. It's less about the, um, it's got to be, it's less about the one individual, but the whole and the whole leadership team as it develops. If you want to learn more about how to grow a business, head on over to anz.com forward slash business growth, where you can find the free online business growth program. It provides business leaders with the knowledge and skills needed to grow a business sustainably, including how to choose the right growth strategy and the different responsibilities of a leader during growth. 
It's a rich resource put together by the ANZ Bank and the Center for Business Growth at the University of South Australia. ANZ has worked with global growth expert Dr. Jana Matthews at the university. It really is a great resource, and you might even find more episodes of this very podcast. So it's definitely worth a visit at anz.com forward slash business growth. You're listening to the ANZ Business Growth Podcast with Rachel Newman. And today I'm joined by serial entrepreneur and business leader Ido Leffler. Ido, in your opinion, whose responsibility is it to determine the business vision and values especially as they evolve over time. Do you think that's a top-down or a bottoms-up endeavor? In all of my businesses, um, we've had different approaches over time. I think from the very beginning, um, at Yes2, for example, it was a top-down approach. And a good example of that, we started with something called the Yes2 Seed Fund, which was a a charity that we set up um, within the company. And it was very much a top-down approach as to where that would go. And it was a dreadful mistake. It was one that, you know, it soon became, it originally was designed to help um, communities provide self-sustaining, or to help provide self-sustaining food sources for communities in need. But it soon became the whatever made Edo cry fund. And it turns out lots of things make me cry. And... So from my perspective, I thought, you know, I had this vision and I thought it would be shared from within the organization. Turns out the organization didn't agree with that and didn't think that it was a good idea. And so that took a long time to evolve to actually become something that the entire team could get behind. Today at UB and at Brandless, it is completely and utterly a community vision, a shared vision, something that is evolves over time. A business vision, in our, which in my opinion, can evolve every six months, for example, every quarter if things change. We tend to look at them yearly at our offsites. It's probably the biggest thing that we do at our offsite. And you also want to give ownership to the person who just joined the company. You want to give the, per- the, a voice to the person who's been you know, in the company for a decade or three years or whatever long they've been there, and for them to feel as connected to it as the person who just started. We hear a lot about trying to have it all and to have fully integrated lives. And, you know, I have heard you say, you know, just earlier that your first obligation is to yourself and to your partner. What responsibility do you think that leaders have in being a good influence on their team in regards to work-life balance? And what are some of the things that you do to help achieve that? You know, I, I, I talk about this and then um, I picture my wife shaking her head going, he's got no idea. Um, but realistically for me, it comes down to communicating to yourself and to your family and to the people around you what you want your life to be. And when I talk to my team, I highly encourage actually this morning we just sent out an email to our entire team giving them a dollar amount encouraging them to take a long weekend there were conditions around it we wanted them to go to a long weekend to a place that didn't speak english and that was wild and crazy and for me i think we we don't have an obligation but we have the opportunity as a company to provide our team with experiences that they might not have thought to have for themselves and to have and to do that within your you know and and to and for us as a company to provide them with the means in which to do it 
I think you have an opportunity. Some of my tools, I spend holiday time for me is the most important time to have. I try to switch off as much as I can during holidays. I definitely try to switch off during weekends. I've, I, 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 I'm a bit of a, like most people probably listening to this, you know, we're, you know, iPhone, email, messaging addicts. And so I try very much on, on Saturday, for example, not to look at my email. If somebody needs, if the, if the house is burning down, somebody will call me. Um, I try very much to, n- after seven o'clock when I get home, uh, when I'm at home from seven till nine, to switch off and to have time with my wife to be able to sit on the couch or put the kids to bed or, or take bath time. And that takes a lot of effort. But I think in the end of the day, if you love what you do, you want, and, and, and I definitely love what I do for work, I've got to be able to give that same love back to the family that I love and which is why I'm doing all of this. Um, and so to have that opportunity... I think, it, you know, to, to, to take solid steps and to communicate with your team what you're doing in, or, in order to have your own work-life balance is really important. I think it's very hard to have for the leader to have work-life balance and for the rest of the team not to. So we try to encourage the entire team to have it. Um, but we want them to work hard. That's the other thing. I think if you're going to work in an entrepreneurial place, there's an expectation that you're going to work your butt off and that you're going to end up doing you know more than just one job or that the job profile that you signed up for or that the job description is going to be very different to what you actually do on a day-to-day basis and but the rewards of that can be an incredible balance and an incredible experience along the way so as you are leading through a company that is rapidly changing and is on a high growth trajectory like you said things are changing all the time job descriptions that were right one month ago, ceased to be correct going forward. How do you uh, manage to lead through that, uh, you know, change? How do you lead people through that? And quite frankly, how do you hire for uh, people who would be comfortable with that sort of change? I think you lead through that kind of change by getting down and dirty with the team. I think the team needs to see you being able to, you know, also change your role on a day-to-day basis. I think that the team needs to see you being willing and able and, and understanding that, you know, there's people re- re- relate to change differently, especially when it's changing daily. And the, how you hire for that is that you tell people from day one that that's what it's going to be like. And I don't think anybody that joined Brandless, for example, ever thought that their role would be what it is today what it, what as from when they walked in the door there's no nobody in the company today is doing exactly what they signed up for some of them are doing a lot more some of them have a lot more responsibility today we have people that come in as interns and you know a few months later i'm noticing they're running you know literally important elements of the business and but we also have senior people that we've brought on board that have seen it before that have seen this road. We're trying to hire people that have been in high growth, you know, rapidly changing businesses. We want to bring on people that know how to partner and how to, you know, really work as a team and not build little fiefdoms to themselves. And I think having the right 
hiring point of view is really important as well, that you hire the right people. And that's what, you know, in our three pillars that I said at the very beginning here, incredible people, there's a reason. We didn't say ordinary people or good people or smart people or, or you know, it, it's got to be incredible. And for me, incredible means bringing it. I think that's what we look for more than anybody, anything out of any attribute. People that can bring it every single day. Because if you don't bring it and you don't bring yourself to it, you're going to get lost along the way. And I'll tell you, we've only been in operation for six months at Brandless and people will opt out because they can't bring it. They can't bring that level of energy and intensity on a constant basis. And that's okay. They're not right for this stage of the company. They might be right later or before. But, you know, it's about making sure that you you can, and we get it wrong all the time, but it's about trying to make sure that you bring as many of those people as you can for the journey. When a company is so dynamic and changing, and in many cases, like Brandless, actually writing the playbook as it's going, as a leader, how do you know when you're heading in the right direction? Especially when things start to get tough, how do you know when it's time to pivot or course correct versus keep pounding on um, and, you know, push down the road because you believe that it's the right thing to do. How do you, uh, as a leader, think about those subtle differences that help you to understand where you push and where you adapt? One of the things that we've been really fortunate with with Brandless as an example and something that I, I encourage wholeheartedly. Firstly, I have an amazing business partner in Tina. Um, you know, Tina has been down the road before. She's seen the movie. And to be able to have somebody that you can have a dialogue with that is an equal, that somebody that you can truly um, make decisions with, I think is really important. And if you don't have that, find mentors, find an independent board member, find folks that can help you do it. At Brownless, we're really lucky. Our investors are some of the best investors in the world, whether it's Redpoint Ventures or NEA or Google Ventures, people that are just rock stars. And to have the right folks um, that you can ask questions to I think is really important. And if you don't know those people, find them. I have a very you know, a, a simple philosophy. If you find who those people are, whether it's on LinkedIn or otherwise, and stalk the hell out of them. Be nice. Don't be crazy. And we've had some crazies. But find out where they're speaking. Find out where they're meeting. Find out where they are. And try to make yourself known. And, you know, sometimes asking one question, you might get one answer that might change your entire trajectory. A lot of people, especially when they're just starting off, have an incredible idea, they're extremely passionate about it, and they're solo entrepreneurs. And I imagine that many of our listeners, especially those who are just starting off, are solo practitioners. It seems like you have a pattern of almost always finding a co-founder, and you've talked uh, at length about how important that relationship is. How do you think people should decide whether this is something they should kind of go out alone versus finding a co-founder and having a more team approach from day one? I think that's a great question. Like, I think it's different strokes for different folks. I think I operate really well knowing that I've got somebody else to, you know, on the journey. Uh, you know, I, Lance Kalish and I have been business partners for 14 years. You know, I, he's, you know... I'm the smart, good-looking one, and he does other things. And, um, and in 14 years, we've had our ups and downs and, and which ways around. And I, I think that what's made us successful 
is that we've had different, as I mentioned earlier, different skill sets. And I know that I needed a partner that had the skill sets that he has. Tina knows that, you know, that she has different skill sets than I do. And as a result, our partnerships are able to work because it's a partnership of, uh, that, that, that can be a yin to a yang. And if you're on your own, it's sometimes very difficult to be able to be, to have the right perspective, to be able to see above the long grass. And if you are alone and you want to stay alone, I highly encourage to get into a group, whether it's, you know, an EO or a YPO or other organizations that exist here, small business organizations that exist, so you can find people around you that can give you an honest point of view. Because as a business leader, I think that's critical to have somebody that's, you know, your family is not the right person for that. You know, your best friend is probably not the right person for that. Find somebody who can call you out and, and tell you when you're doing something wrong and encourage you when they think that you're doing something right. If you're serious about growing your business, then talk to an ANZ business banker today about ANZ's One Day Business Growth Seminars. The free seminars are a unique initiative with the Center for Business Growth at the University of South Australia. The seminars are perfect for business owners looking to grow, but unsure how to progress to the next level. And they're open to both ANZ customers and non-ANZ customers. To find out more, talk to an ANZ business banker or visit anz.com forward slash business growth. That's anz.com forward slash business growth. I'm Rachel Newman, and we're talking about the responsibilities of business leaders with Ido Leffler. Ido, are leaders born or are they made? I think leaders can easily be made. I think my parents will tell you that uh, my my nursery teacher basically told them that I was either going to, you know, be in jail or lead the mafia. It was one of the two, um, and probably at some point end up in jail. Um, but so I've always as the older sibling, always want, you know, that was sort of a role that I, I think I, I naturally took. However, there are people that I know, dear, dear friends of mine, who, and, and you know, uh, the, who were quiet people growing up that had no intention of ever sort of leading the fold. And I've seen them become leaders that, uh, leaders that I would aspire to be. Um, and the reason why I think you can learn to be a leader is because as your confidence grows, and I think confidence is a big part of it, and as you see, and as you know, you and as your business or as your enterprise grows, you 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 almost naturally fall into place, as long as you're open, honest, and um, and can lead by example. So, if leaders are made, although you know, I think in you there were some natural abilities that came out while you were still in nappies. Who do you attribute as being your greatest influence that helped make you the leader you are today? I, I think my biggest influence has definitely been my, my family. I think watching my parents go from a, career, a, a very standard career of engineering and teaching to then being entrepreneurs to building what was a tremendously successful business and then losing it um, and you know, going from, you know, for, from having millions to owing millions um, and seeing them rebuild and do that again in an entrepreneurial fashion um, is something that, 
it shapes what I do and how I build and how I deal with things every single day, especially when it comes to risk. And you know, watching them do it as a team and build as a team and show my brother and I how they did it um, as a team um, is really the, I, I guess, the foundation of where um, you know of where we've become. And and funnily enough, Lance and I have had similar experience. We actually wrote about them in our book. So we wrote a book called Get Big Fast and Do More Good. Um, and in that book, um, we really talk about those stories. And when we were writing the book, it was it, you know it, I, we never, didn't ever expect it, that that part of the story to impact us so much and for us to relate so much to both of those stories. Ido Leffler, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the ANZ Growth Podcast. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. And that was the Business Growth Podcast brought to you by ANZ. To find out more or to register for the ANZ Business Growth Program, go to our website, anz.com forward slash business growth. That's anz.com forward slash business growth. Thanks for listening.